This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to Talkville. The ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast, where each week we go back, we go way back. We watch each, every episode, each and every, I can't speak. It's okay. You know what I do. And uh, it's a look, it's a show that it changed us. It changed you. Uh, we've, we've had fans for many years. You stick around. We can't believe you're still here. And so that's why we're doing this because you're here. We're here. Why the hell not? But we need you to keep going. Uh, so if you want to become a patron, join patron, patreon.com slash talkville. It, it, you don't know how much it helps the podcast. Uh, look, if you didn't get a chance to call in and leave questions for this week's show, make sure you get some in for future episodes. The uh, the hotline is 213-538-2883. That's 213-538-2883. Tom, tell them about the messages they leave. They are, they're very important and they're, and they're fun because a lot of times it's things that we don't know about or perspective that we don't appreciate or we don't we don't know to appreciate so and it keeps us alive right as i'm actually like you asking right you now. to tell them about the length and things what they should do oh keep it short <laughs> keep it short and sweet we don't want to uh because the, the best chance is if it's like under 10 15 seconds you, that's the best chance if you're like hey it's rob from albuquerque i just want to say that blah 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 thanks man uh, it's it's like tom petty said name location question <laughs> is that what he said he said, I, I listened to his Sirius XM radio. I mean, obviously he's not on anymore, but it's a great station. A lot of music that, that inspired him. And one time he came on, he goes, Hey, I really love your questions. Call in, but keep it short. Name, location, and question. Thank you. That sounded like uh, that comedian. It Name, sure didn't sound like Tom Petty. And so-and-so. Like, uh, I, rice is the perfect snack when you're in the mood for 2000 of something. Oh, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. It sounded like Mitch Hedberg. I love Mitch Hedberg. God bless you. You know, call in. Leave a question. Leave a question. <laughs> Socials, please follow us on our handles and write a review. It, you don't know how much reviews help. The handles are Talkville Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Talkville Pod on the Twitter. Also, I will say that Tom had recently done an episode of the Winchesters. Yeah, I did. So I can't yeah. wait to see that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to be on a couple episodes. Uh, I think we, I think I appear in episode seven, and then a couple after that. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a great cast, great kids, and a, and a, and a fun idea. Great kids. That's how old we are. Great kids. Great kids on that show. I'll tell well, you. Well, they're that. all older than I was when I started Smallville. It's 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 a it's a it's a mind trip for sure. It is. I bet it is. All right. Um. Oh, by the way, if you want to get Smallville merch, Talkville Talkville merch. You go to talkvillepodcast.com. I wish you could see the deer. Ryan called 911. Is that right? Is that right, Ryan? (laughs) Talkvillepodcast.com. Talkvillepodcast.com. A lot of people have been buying merch and wearing shirts and sending pictures, and we love it. I saw them in London. I saw them in London. There's tons of stuff on there, too. We got hats and shirts and all sorts of stuff. We're going to get more stuff, too. We're going to get maybe uh, just other cool stuff. So go to talkvillepodcast.com. Maybe and we'll throw in some athletic greens. Without further ado, let's get in, into season one, episode 19. We're almost at the end. This episode is called Crush. Yeah, are you, it, 
almost at the end, is that a good thing or is it a sad thing for you? Well, at the end of season one, we've got uh, a lot of seasons to go. But it went, <laughs> I got to say, it went by pretty fast. This has flown by season one. I'm like, wow, we're done with a whole season. And it, it felt like it just went by in a flash. It, it's A lot of it's like shooting the series was the same way. It's like the days of the week. Mondays are rough. Tuesdays are like, ah. And then at the end of Wednesday, you're like, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think yeah. we're, in the, we're in the Thursday of this first season podcast. Look at this. Somebody made me a, uh, or us, but they sent it to me, my business manager, Talkville, uh, what's it called? Toaster. Toaster, thanks. Oh, nice. You put, drink on. put your drinks on there. Title, Crush, aired May 7th, 2002. Director, James Marshall. I was 30 years old. Director, James Marshall. I'm sure we worked a lot, probably too much. Oh, yeah, he went, under, he, went, he went on to be our showrunner and um, many good things and and so many challenging things. Many challenging result things. of James. He I, was a showrunner? I thought Beeman was our showrunner. Not the whole time. Maybe it was after you left, but James ran that ship. Bro. I think it was, I think he, he, after I left. He took over. Yeah. He was a great showrunner. Um, he was very good at being a showrunner. He was an excellent director. Um, and I would say this to his face. I think as a director, he shot himself in the foot a lot of times trying to push the limits of, of what a director could do on a show that was pretty much you know 87 percent of the show was had to be what it's going to be anyway and then as a director you come in with about you know that different percentage to put your fingerprint on it and um but to this day i, I mean i uh, i love the guy he was just james he just was a good director and, and i gotta say we we butted heads a lot but we also laughed yeah. a lot we also yeah. respected each other and like he you know for the most part. I actually learned a lot from your and James' relationship. I saw you guys sort of butt heads, butt heads, butt heads, and then laugh. And yeah. I'm like, oh. You gotta let it go. We, we, yeah. we differ. We we would say, no, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And we were like, I remember we got in a real heated argument one time. And uh, then we talked about it and everything was fine. We just let it yeah. go. That's It's kind of like two hockey players on the ice. Contrary yeah. to popular belief, hockey players, it's they're very classy. They don't understand. People think fighting is for goons. I can't believe there's fighting allowed in a sport. Well, it's part of it when you're skating super fast and you're hitting and you're checking and there's emotions. You hit somebody hard and all of a sudden your team's losing and you just go, let's go. And a fight can change the momentum of a game. But when those players are done fighting, it's over. They could meet at a bar and have a drink. It's over. It is over. They don't hold grudges for the most part. Uh, Okay. Writers Al Goff, Miles Miller, Philip Levins. By the way, we have a a great guest star today on the podcast. You want to stick around. He knows a lot about the show, probably more than we do. He was there for a long time, as as long as Tom. Probably longer because he was there all day. And he went on to create. He he went on to create a lot of things. Create other TV shows. Well, I don't know if he created other TV shows. Did he? Well, let's well, get into that. In, in, in my mind, he did uh, from a visual aspect. Yeah. We can ask him let's about ask him We can ask him done. about how many shows he's created. Guest star on to, on the Smallville episode crush, Adam Brody. As top Justin 10. Gaines. Top 10 ever. So Love good. He's good. So good. He's got a weird voice, doesn't he? Everything about like, him is weird. He, it was weird. Like, like, it, he was weird to be around. Not in, a, not, in a, not in a... He was good. He wasn't a, a weird, weird person. His performance was, it was awkward. It was obtuse, but it was grounded... And like you believed everything he was saying, it was very. I easy agree. Good actor, man. And then not two years later it would lead to a very similar role in, in, on the OC. Yeah. Yes, Hiro Kanagawa as Principal OC. James Kwan. And right now, I just want to give a shout out because I was really shocked and surprised that Hiro Kanagawa died in this episode. Well, 
Spoiler alert. Principal James Cornwell. We're going to get into it. We're here. It wasn't his fault. And it really shocked me that they would kill Principal Kwanoff. He was a good character. I liked his presence. I I just, I, you know, it's kind of sad seeing him like I feel I go, like I it. feel like his last moment was finally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cuz yeah, we <laughs> let go I'm, of I'm small leaving though. this. We did just talk about him and give him some props after the last one after all the the stuff that he saw. Oh, he goes out hard, guy. man. Oof. And <sighs> as far as I know from a um at the high school I feel like he was the only person there. Like, where are the teachers? Where is? Yeah, his... I never saw teachers. Well, you saw teachers. Everyone's remember Chloe's dad, but they weren't a part of it. I think I feel he 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 was a part of the burden. The... He carried the burden. He yeah. So God bless you. Rest in peace, Principal James Kwan. Donna Bullock as Pamela Jenkins. Synopsis: Chloe falls for Justin Gaines, a telekinetic kid seeking revenge against the surgeon who couldn't heal him and the driver who hit him. Clark is jealous and invents Talana, who is having her own relationship problems. Lex reconciles with his childhood nanny, and Whitney's father passes. Lot to discuss in Lana this. Lana doesn't one. have relationship problems. She has relationship challenges. She's in a relationship that you almost think that she'd like to. She's just timing it so she can get out of it. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Yeah. You know, one thing I always had a problem with was that it's so clear. It's abundantly clear you both have feelings for each other. It's it's so clear that it's almost stupid. Well, we have a kitchen scene in this episode that it's like right there. And right it's like, there. you know, I understand that she doesn't want to dump the guy because his dad just died. Okay, cool. But like, let's be honest. He's just a pain in the ass. He's a thorn in your side. He's a jock that you never want to be with a jock. Lana's not, doesn't want to be with a jock. Clark's sweet. He's going to treat you well. He always, always there to protect you. He probably saved you 400 times already. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Talkville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Talkville. Cool opening transition shot going into Metropolis Children's Hospital. We see Justin could, Gaines. R- r- sorry, great shot by the way. That was cool. It was almost like Halloween esque, like everything going down in there. Like what a great opening. Story. Yeah, it oh, really yeah. was beautiful. Oh yeah, a young artist who's been hospitalized after a tragic car hit and run, lashing out at the doctor who treated him. As the doctor attempts to leave the hospital with his wife, their elevator gets stuck between floors. His wife is able to make it out, but the doctor loses his hands when the elevator drops as Justin blemishes the hands of a portrait of the doctor like a voodoo doll. Dude, that was so well done. It was gnarly. Like in when I rewatched it in, in anticipation of this episode, like the fact that he's like in the elevator and you're like, okay, like I get it. Okay, cool. And then his hands are there. 
you're just like no and then yeah it was cool i gotta say this episode was dark dark really dark and i like dark i like when it gets dark if you combine fluff and dark you kind of get something in the middle which is which which is nice you balance it's a balance dark dark sometimes there we go smallville high has its career day clark is recommended for the air force pete gets a job for mayor siegel and chloe tries to get one of the limited positions at the daily planet well that was another one of those superman line drops what you say? Well, the be at the very the scene starts with "I see you in a uniform flying." Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Good for you. Chloe is upset at Clark for neglecting their friendship and spending more time with Lana Lex. You know, I made him. I made a, Lex and Lana more important than anyone else, as far as Clark's concerned. Well, you know, I think saying. they. Maybe they are more important to you. Well, Pete. Pete goes on to say, "Duh, Clark. She's you know she's she's into you, and you know." You don't really hang out with Chloe outside of school. She's just there talking your ear off anyway most of the time. I'm pretty sure that's what she's saying. <laughs> I only see you at school, and we're trying to do things outside of school, and you, you're you not, you're not pulling up the slack. So Yeah, I see why she's upset. I thought she did a really good job, too, in this episode. Oh, yeah. Justin Gaines has recovered enough to return to school in Smallville, where he thinks Chloe, thanks Chloe for writing to him while he was in the hospital. He asks her out for coffee, and she agrees while making eye contact with Clark down the hall. Ooh. Wait, so one, so one thing I want to go back. I thought it was really cool the reveal they did as well, where his hands... It was very subtle how they did it because I was confused. You know, he, with the doctor before the elevator, he's drawing and he's like, see what you did to me. I can't do anything. And then it's very subtle. He flips the page and there's this beautiful picture. Yeah. And you're like, how did he do that? And throughout the episode, you realize he can control things. Yeah. Telekinesis is what Chloe later says. And I thought it was a nice, less than obvious reveal of who he is. And, mm-hmm. I, and I appreciated that. You know what I thought? I, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Probably not. But uh, I thought that he was lying and he actually could draw at first until later on I realized, oh, did you think that's too? I, I, did, I did too. Yeah, I thought, oh, he's lying. He can draw. His hands do work. But that's what made the, the telekinetic reveal cooler, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then then it made sense. But, but then I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> Clark meets with Justin and Chloe inside the torch and three discuss the hit and run that put him in the hospital. He remembers partials from the license plate. Well, I listen, this is a synopsis. And Chloe wants to investigate. What you're missing in this quick synopsis is the looks between the characters and, and why, you know, that's this is where the attention, people vying for others' attention. And what I love about what Adam did throughout this whole thing is he sort of saw it, but he wasn't afraid of it. Yeah, you know, like his character was like, you know, there's a kiss later with Chloe and, and Adam's character and Clark walks in and Adam's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, that's cool, dude. He wasn't like, oh, Oh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, that's the easy move. He just holds. He ha- he holds his ground, and and I, and again, that's why I just yeah. This I, I agree with that. Um, was this the same moment where he drops the papers and we see that stuff? Yeah, about the that's yeah. later. Never mind. In Metropolis, oh. we see Lex visiting the grave of his mother on the anniversary of her death. His visit is interrupted by Pamela Jenkins, Lex's former nanny. She hasn't been in contact with him in years. So he is upset by her popping back up and decides to leave. Also great storytelling. Who is this woman? It's not revealed right away. It's a slow burn. I I appreciated that. I did too. And there's, I like that they show you a little backstory, a little like, wow, Lex really loved his mom. Maybe we'll find out something about his mom later. You know, this guy had obviously a, a lot of tragedies in his life and this was a big one. How did she die? Well, we don't know that yet, but we're going to find out who this woman is. Well, moms are very important. 
moms. And that was the thing that he's been missing. And he had two important mother figures in his life, we're finding out. Yeah, and they both left him, one inadvertently. Because his father's unable to give him the love that he needs. Thank you, Ryan. Well, I mean, yeah. I I don't want to do a dive deep, but yeah. there's There's a father love and there's a mother love. And a mother love is... Sorry. I can talk about that, but I'm not going to. I know. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm not going to get into it. But, but, you know, like I definitely know my mother loves me, just to make that clear. I know she loves me. I love my mother. She's just in her own way. Yeah. She's just a very difficult person. And, um, you know, she wasn't meant for motherhood, I don't think. I think she just wasn't meant for that. And that's all I'll say. Later, Lana meets up with Clark at the Kent farm and Clark vents to Lana about Chloe's feelings for him. He confesses that he feels like they could be more than friends and he's jealous. One of Kristen's best moments, not that she doesn't have a lot of them, is when he says, so how many pies, you know, how many pies do you want? And she, the way she says a dozen, like she just steps away from it, which she's saying a little bit. It's well done. It's, you know, I find it weird that Never throughout this series so far has it ever been addressed or insinuated that Clark has feelings for Chloe. And what's weird is, I don't know if it's me, maybe because I'm too close to the show, but as a fan, I don't want Clark to be with Chloe. I don't think it it doesn't feel right. It feels weird. It just doesn't feel right. Well, if nothing else, you if nothing else, you haven't been given the romantic situations that you've been given with Lana and Clark. Yeah, it just seems kind of out of the blue. She seems kind of like, you know, career oriented and fun and, and full of life. And, you know, Clark's this and they're just buddies and they tell each other a lot of things. But it doesn't seem like I don't see chemistry at all. And then all of a sudden in this episode, she's like, you didn't call me back. I hate you. Yeah. Is it supposed to be the trope of the girl who was there all along is supposed to be the one? Like, you know, of he's course. Off pine- yeah, because she's always been the option. Is that why? But that never happens. Let's let's be realistic here. <laughs> Back at home, we just we see Justin working on a portrait of Chloe. Frustrated by the lack of control of his hands, he resorts to using his mind and drawing with telekinesis. The next day at school, Clark tells Pete he's worried for Chloe after finding a newspaper article of a doctor losing hands in Justin's bag. Justin so, overhears the conversation and tells him that he had his chance with Chloe and to step off. There's also a moment in this episode where he... He acknowledges he lost his ability and he made up for it, but he's still not. Aside from like controlling bees, perhaps, where you're like, oh, this is the best thing I have going for me that I've ever had. This guy was a great artist, lost the use of his hands, but now can like mind control everything, yet he still wants his original gift. Yeah, And that's, you know, I think that's a, that's a cool thing. He's not like, oh, wait, I can control everything now. Yeah. You know, but he wants what he had. And I, I, I that's. I don't know. There's something that resonates with me about that. Yeah. For some reason, this didn't bother me, the telekinesis, as much as the bees. (laughs) This didn't bother me as much. I like the relationships more, though, in this episode, the connections. I wasn't really thinking of the telekinesis so much. I was like, okay, I'm going to let that go because I'm invested. Yeah. Well, also, here's a big difference. The girl with the bees was hurting people who didn't hurt her. Here he is having revenge on people who hurted him. Well, we'll see. So... Pamela returns to Lutheran Manor to talk manor. Lutheran man, well, it says manor, but I'm going to say mansion to talk with Alexander. Lex thinks that Pamela lied to his mother on her deathbed, but Pamela was scared away from the family by Lionel's threats. 
So he finds out that, you know, but it still kicks her out. At the town, Whitney stops by to make plans with Lana, who confides in Clark about how much unwanted attention she's been getting from him since his dad has been feeling better. Clark then talks about regrets for letting a previous relationship slip into the friend zone, Lana, and not wanting to let it happen again with Chloe. Inside the torch, and I thought that was a really nice scene. I think, you know, you you and Lana, your scenes are really good together. You guys have chemistry. It's just there. The both of you, it just looks like I could tell you like each other. It it, it just yeah. seems right. I don't know. Anyway, inside the torch, Chloe tells Justin that he's working for the DMV to get the license plate of his hit and run driver. Justin then tells her that he's had a crush on her for a long time after getting her the telekinetic, gifting her the telekinetic portrait of herself. The two then make out. And objects around the room lift around them. This catches. By the way, the one, the one that's focused on. Yeah, the little doll or whatever. The little alien. It's a green alien guy. Yeah. That, that was definitely not an accident. Symbolism. Yeah, James probably thought he was genius for that moment. He's like, I got that one. I got that. You'll be an alien. Just like <laughs> this catches Chloe's eyes, and Justin confesses his new telekinetic powers. Chloe is totally cool with it. See, if if Clark just said he had these powers, Chloe could have been cool with it. Well, he prefaced it. He said, "You have an." Op-, he said, "Can you have an open mind?" And by the way, Chloe's seen a lot of strange stuff, so she has. Yeah, Clark walks in, uh, asking to speak to Chloe in private. He tries to warn Chloe about Justin and thinks she's only pursuing Justin to get back at him. Then a fax comes in from the DMV with the details of the driver who was attaching. Huh? That's extremely selfish. Yeah, exactly. A fax comes in from the DMV with the details of the driver who was as matching plates. And it's Mr. Kwan, Principal Kwan. How could this be? By the way, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Like as much as it's funny, never would have thought of it. I thought it would have just been somebody's, somebody, you know, somebody in Smallville. But Principal Kwan, what? That's weird. That's dark. Justin goes to confront Kwan in the driveway of his home, but Kwan denies it. Justin then attacks him with his telekinesis, throwing him into the garage door. Then self-driving Kwan's car, his own car, Kwan's own car, into him and through the garage. This kills Kwan. By the way, this all happens with Kwan's car keys in his own pocket. Dark, another dark moment in Smallville dark moment and it really was shocking that night in the barn clark is reading relationship advice books and lex arrives to help him uh, help give his two cents on the lana and chloe friendship versus relationship situ- versus i i really love the way you played the line with when you're like you you read the book and you're like you're really gonna think you're gonna find the answer in here like the you didn't say it like that but the way you did <laughs> yeah. it was just it was so wise it was so there was so much wisdom and like hey kid let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't you know? condescending. It was just more like, no. come on. Uh, their con- conversation is interrupted by Martha, who tells him that Principal Kwan has died in an accident. Aww. At school the next day, Chloe is frantically trying to put together things for Kwan's memorial and the torch using work to avoid her feelings. Clark then discovers that Kwan's license plate is similar to the partial of Justin's hit-and-run driver. Chloe is resistant to the idea that Justin could have done this, but really I felt like Chloe was really crying because Quan's dead i felt like she really felt for D- principal Quan dying no i you know that's interesting you said because i like that choice if it was there was a little love hate relationship there between Quan and chloe you know, yeah. he's always trying to be like hey just take it easy this is a high school and chloe was like no, no 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 i'm here i'm here to win like i'm here to do it 
Right. Um, I didn't catch that, but that's a that's an interesting. I little. really caught that. I liked that. I just was like, oh my god, she really loved Principal Kwan. Well, they had a little bit of yeah. They had history. Like Tom said they had a little history, then a little back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. At Luther mm-hmm. Mansion, Lionel arrives to let him know he's selling Cadmus Labs, where Dr. Stephen Hamilton is doing his research. Lionel then oh. goes on to speak down on Pamela Jenkins for leaving after his wife's death with Luther Corp stock and tells him Pamela has cancer. And she was always just a hanger on because your mother had bad taste in help. Yeah. I think he, he pulled off he somehow that. he pulled off saying that line. Yeah. He's a rotten guy. This Lionel Luther, just not a good father. Clark decides to, he begged to differ. Clark decides to investigate the murder scene at Quan's house and is met by Danny Quan's son and the air force recruiter at career day. We then find out Danny was the driver and not principal Quan. However, he knew about it and was protecting his son. Oh, devastating. I just watched this show called The Sinner, and it reminded me of that. Have you watched The Sinner? It's freaking dark. Jessica Biel. It's good. The first episode's incredible, and then it's pretty good after that. At Justin's house, Chloe finds his comics where he has recreated the entire murder scene frame by frame. This freaks her out and causes her to flee. Why would he do that? That's just so weird. Come on. You're going to, it's evidence. You're going to put that right on the thing. Fuck off. At the Talon, Martha tells Clark she did the right thing by leaving Danny, by having Danny turn himself in, and that some secrets destroy families. Lana tells him Chloe is freaked out and needs him. Clark rushes back to the barn where Justin is attacking Chloe with telekinesis for betraying what they had together. She gets dropped, injuring her ankle, hit in the head with a horseshoe, and just before a chainsaw rips her apart, this mean son of a bitch, Justin, you don't have to rip her apart like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Clark steps in front of it, dismantling the chainsaw against his chest. Most importantly, wardrobe survives. The wardrobe survives. Same. Chloe, Clark tells Justin he killed the wrong man and throws him across the barn, knocking him out. Lex goes he to says, visit. And he also says, you can't win. You can't you win. Can't I like win. that. I like Clark saying that. Yeah. yeah. He, it was just stern. It was like, this is a fact, buddy. Can't you know, win. I loved it. I loved it. And, yeah, and, by, and, and by the way, when I say it now, I go, you can't win. But in the moment, I knew you couldn't. You can't go. You can't win. You got to. You just you got to. You can't win. Yeah, just it's the simple. Truth. Has anyone? What I mean, he's one of the few who's thrown Clark like a he threw you across the room. Yeah, he's one of the few. One of the few people that could do it. I think there's yeah. somebody else. Who? I think the Dave Batista. Yeah, <laughs> comes to mind. You know, you know what's funny is when we get to that Dave Batista episode, I'm going to text him and see if he'll come on for ten minutes and talk with us. I bet he would. I bet he would. He was the only person in my life who's ever picked up over his head and held me. Yeah, we'll just talk for. I'll give tell him 10, 10, 15 minutes. I bet he'll do it. He's a great guy. We're good. I friends. was like, they're like, we got all these wires. He's like, you don't need wires. He doesn't he have just, an accent. He's he American. Me. Well, you he don't just, have wires. <laughs> Lex goes to visit Pamela, and the two express their regrets and recon- reconcile. This this was touching. This was like. He's losing someone else that really loved him unconditionally and took care of him. And, and it also speaks to Lionel's sort of um, madness. Madness of what he, you know. I like the scene. I felt like, you know, there was some emotion from Lex. There was a little bit of emotion. Like, you know, was, we never, we don't that see that. That would have been an easy scene to breeze through for, for you. Yeah. You could have easily just been detached from it all and been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could easily done that and nobody would have said anything to you. It was, yeah, it was but fine. There, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and I got to give credit to James Marshall. He he would do scenes over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But you know, 
sometimes he wanted to get something out of you that maybe you weren't given on those takes. Yeah. And he pushed you and dragged it on just to get some little nuance, some moment. So anyway. Uh, heavy lift. He called it heavy lifting. Yeah. He said, if you know, you, I think one time we were doing a scene. I don't I don't remember what year or what it was. And and I was I was bucking or whatever. And he was like, he's like, you just don't want to do the heavy lifting. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, that's my point. And I was like, <laughs> huh? And he's like, action. <laughs> I was like, what? And Jesus. Back at the town, Chloe tells Clark that Justin has been sent to the psych ward and teen. Then Clark asked Chloe out on a date to the journalism convention. He puts his hand on her hand. Lana looks on from afar jealously. And when Whitney walks in, she's about to have the we need to talk conversation, but drops the bomb. His dad has died. The episode ends at a rain-soaked funeral being played out to time after time. So we called that sunny rain. Oh yeah, you could tell. In the funerals, it was sunny rain. You get the, you get the big lights and, and you get the rain towers. It may have been raining that day. Most likely it wasn't. It was probably cloudy. You put the 5Ks up there, you get sunny rain no matter what's happening. I thought it was beautiful. That last those shots were just beautiful. I mean, and the emotion was there. You in the rain, you looking at Lana, Chloe looking at you, looking at each other, walking away, you walking away going, I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not having either of these women. Well, Clark's standing there next to the angel. That was a big. Yeah, yeah that angel you were standing by in the pilot. Yeah. I had to get there. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sedek. Sedek. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible guest today on the show. Um, this guy uh, I worked with for seven years. Tom's worked in, with him for 10 years. He's a wonderful human being. Uh, I remember when I directed, he was my DP. He was DP for Tom. He went on to direct tons of Smallville episodes. He has gone on to do other things, directing episodes of TV now in the DC universe and uh, just continues to grow as a director and a human being. I don't get to see him much, but here we it's go. The legend. The we're legend. Gonna, we're going to get him on. And uh, here he comes. Glenn Winter, folks. This is Glenn Winter. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Look you at do you have hair, and you're still working. <laughs> Where's still your working. hair? Where's your hair? 
Come on, it's still fucking there, man. Take <laughs> your hat off, dude. Oh, I got hair. Yeah, I, I got hair. Yeah, it's sweet. Glenn, Beautiful. by the way, is there anything behind you that we shouldn't see that is going to uh, get you in trouble? A spoiler? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? There's nothing. <laughs> what are you shooting right now? Kill off number two. Huh? I'm on a show called um, The Dead Boys Detectives. It's a uh, eight-episode show for HBO Max. Cool. Uh, yeah, wow. based on a Neil Gaiman uh, graphic novel series from the early well, 90s. Well, I, I can tell you one thing, Michael. I don't care about the story. That show's going to look good. <laughs> it's going to look good. Are you, dir- you Did you direct the pilot as well? <laughs> no, I did not. So I'm actually doing something I've never done before. I am producing director, which means I'm sort of was doing what Marshall was doing on Smallville and Beeman, which is I'm... I'm directing a couple of them, but but I'm otherwise here as support for the directors and um, maintaining visual continuity and I guess other sorts of continuity. Well, you know, lucky, lucky, lucky them. them. Lucky those thanks, other directors. Buddy. I'm a oh, big thanks, fan guys. of yours. I talk about you all the time. Glenn, we talk about you all the Thank time. You, you really kind of held our hands when we directed. You kind of, uh, I knew you, we both knew you when you were very young, married at the time. Not anymore. That's fine. You got thanks, wonder- thanks, thanks. Thanks for bringing so, that I gotta up. I got to go. <laughs> you got the wonderful child, Max, who we all loved, who came on set. I've been to your house for dinner. I adore you. Tom adores you. Um, first of all, it started really with Smallville. I mean, 10 years of this show from direct, from DP to director to producing director. You did a lot. But, but we'll was get into Smallville that. your first gig? It, Smallville was my first sort of like legit gig. I did a lot of sort of low budge uh, kind of documentaries and, uh, you know, sports, animals playing sports movies, you know, like Air Buds. And I did a couple of monkey playing hockey movies. Well, and- I, I was ve- I was always very jealous of the relationship you had with Rosenbaum because you guys would always talk. You guys would have these talks like in between takes about horror films and the, and the, like the visual things. of horror. And I always remember being like, God, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't, Honestly. I couldn't even break into those conversations with the two of you. I didn't know. I've had, yeah, I've had conversations like that too. With like the early '80s was the was the sort of the the, the you know the golden age of horror movies, which is kind of like become quite sort of commonly known now, and especially with these new streaming services like Shutter and stuff. Everyone's it's all like in Halloween now, like which at the time was still kind of a underground kind of albeit a successful horror movie now it's like you know it's like the biggest thing in the world so but yeah back then yeah we love to michael and i have i think an equal fondness of the 80s and uh, i'm really sorry you couldn't have been part of it if i could go back in time tom i would have tried to be more <laughs> hey glenn no, i just i just kind of i remember sitting back and listening to you guys and being like oh man i was i was just always confused about how like in friday the 13th jason could you could run from jason on one side of the cornfield and then run into again and that always bothered me and maybe i'm plot oriented no those movies suck for the and most then part. you guys would be talking about yeah but the visual like look at the lights and, the, and i'd just be like I'm going to go get some food. Glenn, let me ask you this really yeah. quick. We're, yeah. I want to get into yes. Smallville, but after Smallville was over, you had a name yeah. then in the industry, at least in doing these sort of shows, and people like, this guy knows what he's doing. Didn't you, did you jump on Arrow, was it, right after? Uh, yeah, I mean, not immediately after. I continued to, I, worked, I went and did um, Charlie's Angels with Miles and Al, who asked me oh, yeah. to sort of rejoin the fray, which did not last very long. Uh, but I moved the family, and Max and Julie came to to Miami for three, four months of of craziness. And then I came back, and then um, I yeah, David Nutter. So basically, you know, it all it all fans out from 
Mr. Nutter. He's been such a big part of my life in so many different ways. So Same. he asked me, uh, yeah, and and he asked. We we had never actually worked together, but we had sort of we had prepped in in season one. Uh, the second episode, I think you guys remember, David threw his back out and couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. So I was prepping second unit with him when that all happened. That was the only real interaction I'd had with him that we had kept in touch over the years, especially at like the hundred or the, some of the other parties. And uh, and so he he asked me to shoot the uh, the the arrow pilot uh, for him, which I was super excited and grateful for. Was his and, back out? Was his back out once again? No, no it wasn't. <laughs> Although it has, he has had recurring. He's, I think he's finally licked it. I just spoke to him not too long ago, but uh, he's definitely had some like yeah, back leg issues over the years. But he asked me to shoot that arrow pilot, and that sort of really did like, even though it's, you know, at, at first I have to admit there was a bit of hesitancy, hesitancy in me of like, oh, you know, are we going back into, you know, a similar fray that I'd been in with Smallville, especially because of, you know, Justin had played the arrow. But it was a completely different take on it with completely different. There was no Smallville people involved in era whatsoever other than the warner brothers part of it jd wasn't and, there yeah jd was there. Uh, jd was there yeah but i, I thought he was from, yeah. i mean above the line <laughs> right, 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 right. oh yeah i brought my peeps as many as i could yeah. and so um he uh asked me to do it and so that just went off in a new direction and i met the the new producers and then i um as part of my uh, agreement i i got one episode to direct which is a, a common scenario if you're negotiating a season and you're a cinematographer uh and, and there's an you know room to to uh, give you the opportunity but i had to prove myself to them they didn't know that you know they had seen my smallville episodes but that's all i had and then i did the up the arrow um pilot with david which was a great success and a lot of fun i learned a lot from him and he was very much a mentor to me watching him prep i got a front row seat to watching you know the the pilot master at work and watching he tap he preps really hard i would say most of his honestly like this is not to say anything other than his prep is more important than shooting him it, it, it's how he it's what goes on behind the scenes before the show gets to the camera is yeah. really what i learned from him i mean on set too is obviously super important but being able to be there for it what what i i mean i didn't know anything when we did smallville but what i felt myself i felt like i was in a situation with a with a with a master craftsman who he i was safe you know i didn't oh, feel yeah. i feel like he knew what was happening and and it was just a beautiful thing to be a part of being around him. And it still is. He's such a he's one of the most gracious, glorious people, talented I've ever met. And to to those of you who we talk about Glenn Winter right now, if you don't know, Glenn, Glenn was on Smallville and then went on to be the reason and the visual sense in many ways in the heart of of multiple shows beyond Smallville. So the DC that's universe, why I always yeah. talk about you. Because everybody, we go to these conventions and we're like, do you feel responsible for Arrow and Flash? And I'm like, no, but I think Glenn should. <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Glenn should. That's but Glenn, really amazing. How, many, how many episodes did you direct of Arrow and Flash and you Superman and Lois? How many have you done? Yeah, uh, I've done, I haven't counted. So I basically did, I did about a dozen Smallvilles. Then I did about six six or eight arrows you know most of my my career has been since smallville has been working with warner brothers and greg berlanti and so that sort of changed into a little bit of a good pilot run for me where greg trusted me to do the supergirl pilot so i've done six pilots in total since Jesus. then uh, which is a whole other Beast. you know way of of directing as which is sort of what i was getting at with david is is, is and everything you said tom is exactly right it's so much of what I've learned is it's it's about comfort. Yes, obviously you know how to, how to package it all, and you have to understand how you're going to make your days and spend the money properly. But so much of this is is 
letting the cast and crew and and crew but like as far as the cast is like it's very overwhelming i don't have to tell you guys it's to, to step into a production and be creating a new character and i've just to, to be as nurturing as possible is the you know is the the biggest part of a pilot i would say it, it isn't directing an episode too but by then everyone's feeling more confident and less insecure yeah. Yeah. and every direct every actor whether they're showing it or not has some level of insecurity if they don't i think there's something wrong um and they need someone there that they feel is in their corner and it can be like it can yeah. be at length talking about the character and motivation sometimes it can be just like it's it's just like you're you're almost just like a best friend like calming them down it can it can be and it can be everything in between um and david does that and he did that with me as a as a as a you know a co-collaborator being a cinematographer he makes everyone feel safe. like he's got it yeah, safe he, and he's safe. got it and there's someone who's got a plan and that uh you're doing the right thing and if you're gonna play or, or deviate from a say a discussed plan that's also safe and yeah. there's no there's nothing wrong and he does that very very well so that's i would say like in the world of directing pilots versus episodic that has been probably the most filling fulfilling part of that process as much as doing everything else is amazing and incredible and gratifying it's it's the personal connection that you have with the actors because often it's it's pe- people who've barely been in anything which i think tom that was i mean you were very new to being in front of a camera I mean, right i mean tom get on your mark uh what? yeah that Where, was always- what is it hey uh, Glenn, I want to talk about Mike, Mike a- was the pro. He was like the guy, he had it like he at the time I thought he was like a real actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, Glenn, let's get into Smallville. Let's get into yeah. what you remember. Right now we're on the episode. I don't I don't ask you to remember the episode Crush where uh uh, uh Brody, what's his first name? Adam, Adam Brody was on the show and he had telekinetic powers. James Marshall directed it. Can Here I jump go. in real quick? So what yeah. people so what happens on Smallville is we had alternating directors of photography and they would overlap, uh, which was great. And then we had different directors directors and we had people who oversee all that. It was great. And one of the biggest things really quick I realized about realized about Glenn, some direct some DPs come in and they set up the master. You get it? Then they come in, they, it's a different set of instructions for the next shot and then different set of instructions. Glenn or very early on I remember being like, uh, this, this this guy knows what he's doing. Because I didn't know what I was doing at all, but I'm like, this, I'm pretty sure. Glenn would come in and be like, we're doing this, this, this. And you were setting lights for later because you knew where you were headed. Yeah. Right. Where other guys didn't do that. And no disrespect to them, it's whatever. But I just remember you just being always ahead. You, you always kind of knew where you were going, which That's is true. comforting. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, real it quick, is, yeah. real quick. Yeah. If I said I used to address the, the, the crew, I'm just so excited. I have to just talk to Glenn. Glenn, I get so much. Sorry, I've been talking to you. No, no. But what, two things. What did I say when I walked in the room that the whole crew would say, I'd say, uh, wait, hon, how's everyone's morning? You would say, how are we? Janot would say, how are we? No, but what do you say? I would say, how are we doing today? And then the whole crew would go, fair. Oh, fair to horse shit. <laughs> fair <laughs> to horse shit. And one more. I'd walk in and I'd say, Bob. And the crew would say, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> these are insides i will eventually discuss them but this is 20 years ago and, and glenn still remembers this i love it bob bob no involves a tent if i remember no bob involves a hotel room a hotel room okay remember yeah. the bob. tent was the the tent was the slalom skiing dream <laughs> oh my no that wasn't a tent oh yeah the slalom skiing joke hi there sorry for the interruption but Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. 
That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. All right, I got I got two for you, Glenn. <laughs> Michael is president and not knowing his lines because he thought there was going to be... Right? Remember that? Amazing, uh, yes. Number two, Michael in the green screen. We didn't have to it's be... both tough. I still tough. have pictures of that, and there's tears coming out of... So have you guys told those stories yet? Oh, yeah. At all? Kind of. Yeah, we tell we, all these stories. We, Most we of the tell, stories. We, we try to stay episode-specific, um, but uh, still, those stories are just... Like, it's, we they were And they were... If you guys... I mean, you guys weren't around for the plotting of that and the uh, <laughs> behind the scene, Like, that took actual production time. Like, there was a dollar figure to those to those gags. <laughs> Uh, which was I Lisa just, Lewis you know, is like what? Yeah, it's just, it was just pure pure money off the screen. Um, but I appreciate what you said earlier, Tom. I just like to say to that is like I just think it's super important for people to know where you are going. Separate from the lighting thing, which uh, it helps. I just think it's really important to lay out. Okay, we are going to do this and this, so we know where we're going. So we're not going to. Re- the thing we hate doing is doing something wide, going tighter, 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 and then doing something wide again. And you have to go back to something you did, which you could have done earlier. And part of the strategy on getting a show, it's funny. Like I've, I have been watching, rewatching because I've been listening to you guys and I've been visiting season one stuff, which is very surreal. Um, is we yeah. did some really, there's some really kind of cool, like organic photography that plays in one with the camera moving and, and was tricky to light. And dude, we were, really we, I remember we were, we were figuring this all out. No one had done this yeah. stuff before on television. Like, yeah. We were figuring it out. It, it was, it was, I mean, obviously there was the, the beauty close ups and the emotion and the, and the, you know, the soaring hearts of you guys. But ultimately, in between in the expositional stuff or the action beats, you know, and I credit Beeman for this. Um, I started direct. I started DPing the show halfway through the first season. So uh, I think it was Leech was the first episode. Um, and I actually listened to your guys' thought about that because that one is a really important episode in my entire career, to be honest. And Beeman said to me, I was driving him to the airport one day, and he said, "Okay." <laughs> He's like, okay, "You're my DP, and you're driving me to the airport." It, yeah. I would, yes. <laughs> Yes, he did. He said, okay, because I was the second unit guy. So basically, quick story. I, I just had Max. I was working on one of those Air Bud movies. And Attila, uh, who was who shot the uh-huh. first season, uh, is a dear friend of mine, very talented cinematographer, still working today, um, invited me to be part of the show as a as a sort of the, who would shoot the inserts and the and the second units. And, and immediately the show was off the rails. Like, so I was shooting full scenes full time concurrently while you guys were shooting, you know, with you, with main cast, uh, normally it's second unit units would be you know just stunts and stuff but we were just i was thrown right into the fire right into the fire and one of the first big sequences was the one where you got hit by the bus in the in front of the phone booth that was my first big big night where we lit up all of downtown vancouver anyway uh and i just had max he was a baby and attila said hey do you want to come work on the show because i know you just had a kid it's just going to be once or twice a week and you're shooting inserts and then it was just full on um they said the but, same thing so, to me. You want to just be on this TV show? Yeah, yeah say a few words. They said it's an ensemble. Yeah. It's an, <laughs> That's I, crazy. I give it a year or two at best. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're never going to fly. Wow. Um, <laughs> right. So then... Uh, uh, so he then he they realized that the show was was too too much going on, so they needed to have two DPs alternating. So I did Leech with Greg, and so sort of come back to my original story. Greg felt that you know he wanted to establish more camera movement and things, and he said, "So you're going to have to learn how to light a 360." Which for the 
for the listeners is can be a tricky thing for a, a cinematographer to light for uh, because you have to hide the lights and you have to adjust the lights depending where the camera is so it still looks yeah. good basically and so I had to learn very quickly on my, and I just sort of was like yeah no problem I got it and but inside I didn't know how to do it and we just figured it out and it became I think Beeman's style in Leech really led to the you know establishing of the visual a lot of the vision not all of it but a chunk of the visual motif that the show continued with which was camera movement and storytelling shots and yeah. and making the the camera of an active participant in the stuff rather than just always doing you know yeah. masters and and close-ups which we do you have to do for the storytelling but it's fun to do the other stuff glenn well. i remember and, you always as sort of uh, you know, a great presence on set, just fun. And you were, I, I, you know, calm, calm, but also I remember Except for one time. Oh no, no. There's, I remember there were some times I'm going to get to that. I gonna, only have one time that I, I'm going to, yeah, we'll get to you, that. But you, you, <laughs> oh, I've seen ahead. him stressed. Oh, I'm not saying he wasn't stressed, but there was one time I'll, 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 there was well, a lot of stress. Marzi was directing episode. We were in a graveyard. There wasn't any time left. It was, it was like two o'clock in the morning, whatever. And Michael and I, somehow we got the giggles and oh. we, all know what the giggles where you just you can't look at the other actor without just fucking laughing like you're just you're you're exhausted you're out of your mind right you're you're on acid you're just like crazy and you and I are looking at each other and we're just laughing. And I remember Marzi comes over and we're like, ah, well, we're like Jack Nicholson is Joker. Like we, we're just out of our fucking mind. And Michael's like, ah, don't wait to leave. And Marzi walks away and it was like her first or second episode. So she had a lot writing. And I remember Glenn coming, you coming in and be like, guys, like literally stop effing around, like blah, blah, blah. And that still didn't work. We just had to laugh it out. And oh, whether it was yeah. five minutes or 10 minutes, but it was time on the clock. You know what I mean? Well, it's $2,000 a minute. Yeah. When you're filming a television show, at least back then. So that's expensive. But other than that, I just, you were always just a a, a great, like, grace on set. Like, I, I just, you. but you know what? I was felt, you know, Tom, he, happy when you were around. I feel like I, I didn't realize how difficult being a crew member, let alone a director of photography, is. I don't, it's almost like you don't ever stop walking and doing something and having the other guys do things you never your work never ends a director even sits down for a minute while you're setting up he has a little time you don't stop for 12 to 14 hours and it's it's you hear a lot in the industry about people dying but for a heart attack at 55 or 60 because they were in the business and they were a director of photography or a tv director i can understand why do you ever do you know when to say no glenn do you know because you worked so hard when you were younger do you have to sort of like go i know i can't bite off more than i can chew now i know what i'm capable of does that ever come up now yeah, I'm learning. I've learned um, recently that I think obviously part of it's I'm older than I was obviously on Smallville, but I, I've never been someone who's worked. I mean, Smallville was great too, because I wouldn't work between the seasons. Like I would work the nine months that we would do and I would take the three months and hang out with Max or we would go and I would, and also I got to alternate, right? So some shows that back then that was sort of rare. DPs would, but if I had to do like nine, 10 months of a season, which is pretty rare these days anyway, because streaming series are shorter, um, you could, and, and it's a, it's how you wear the stress too. Like the stress is the important part. If you let, if you take it, you know, there's always going to be stressful days, but if every day is stressful and you make everything a stress in your mind, it's going to amp up the heart attack part. And I, I think what I've had to learn is to let let stuff go have you have more fun i appreciate that your memory of me was having fun but i think now i'm even you know i've really learned to kind of relax more but doesn't mean you're giving up the problem the tricky part is is like i'm always so all or nothing so if i let go then i really just tune out i have a very tough time 
like going back to my chair and hanging out because it's very hard for me. Even when I'm in my chair, I'm watching what the DP is doing. I'm watching, I'm making sure that the camera isn't starting to see something that I wasn't hoping to see or whatever. And it's very hard to kind of let it go completely because then I really have trouble engaging again, uh, which I presume is to some degree hard. Same, But you guys probably have to learn how to you know, be in the moment and then turn it off and either go to your trailer and come back. There's, it's much more on off for you guys. And you probably get used to that where yeah. uh, you're right. As a DP, you're just always in the milieu. You're always helping. And you can't, there's DPs who will just let the director, you know, suffer in their own agony if they don't feel that the, the director knows how to get themselves out of the situation. And that is one thing I could never do because A, we'll never get home and B, we, we're still all there to make the best show possible. And yeah. ultimately, you know, even though we're more tired and, and on certain days than others, like we still don't want it to be shit and it's going to, you know, our, our faces and our work and our fingerprints are on it. Right. Well, so, I, I think, I think you hit something on the nail on the head and Michael and I've talked about this before is that you, it's, it's impossible to be scared and creative in the same moment. And I think one of the reasons why we all got along so well for so many years is we always endeavored to be creative within the box that we were in, whether the whether the, the scene was not great or was exposition, whatever. We're not just trying to get it over with. We're trying to make it great within yeah. the confines that we have. And it yeah. sounds like you still have that, which is great. Michael, uh, I, I, I think would... Michael has lost that, but... <laughs> Who are your it top three like directors? Who are your, by the way, who are your top three directors on Smallville to work with? You had to narrow it down. So, no, no, out. like you know, you know. Oh, no, me? it would have been so. No, Beeman, you know, I and I take cast members out of the equation. That's a separate category. Yep. Cast members who directed. Um, I gotta think about. I think Terrence uh, was one of my favorites because he really kind of got it. Um, I would say, like, as far as like craftsmanship and and pleasure and fun, those those three guys were were my favorites. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to go back and and you know working with fellow like again working with some of my fellow crew members was really great. I thought Morgan did a great job. Mersey was obviously amazing. Mersey's had continued to do amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm still in touch with all those guys. I'm still in touch with Morgan. Still in touch with Mersey. Glenn, I miss Russ. Crew. I miss Russ so much. Uh, yeah, Russ passed away a couple of years ago. Russ and, and I had yeah, such a special. Our- relationship didn't we oh and he loved you and you know that was one thing so russ i'm sure have you talked about russ on the pod i have we have a little bit yeah 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 and he was just there's all these you know beautiful souls that come in and they i think what we all responded to and sort of what you guys just started this little this particular topic is is that people really did care of what was happening within that box you know when you know again we all showed up like again tom i i still remember you would you would come in and it would be fucking hot and you'd be wearing your your gym shorts and your sandals but because we were shooting a close-up <laughs> and you'd come in and, and you'd like, what are we doing? yeah yeah and you were just like it was it was uncomfortable and then but then the cameras would turn on and you'd be fucking like in it and you would ask the right question same thing with michael like everybody i there's nobody who ever phoned it in on that show and if they did it was like i can't even remember i remember times there were people who had weird there were guests certain guest stars uh, you know that had weird things happen we remember those yes um but you know for the most part our core cast and our and our crew i mean again i'm sure you know you've talked about jd like jd you know one of my dearest sweetest friends hilarious complete i don't think he really read a script in the 10 years of the show but the need to so engaged in the moment you know uh and so like cared and would never leave the camera we tell we tell a story about jd where it was a is a clark lana scene and lana saying something she says she can't be with clark anymore and she walks away and it's a dolly in on clark's face and they're like cut and and jd goes you guys are breaking up. <laughs> I was like, JD, it's a, JD, are you okay? And he Glenn, was like, no, 
Ooh. Glenn, we love you. <laughs> this has been the longest interview we've done because we have a whole show to do. But listen, this is uh, yeah, dude, good luck. But listen, I'm not I'm not saying that we want you to come back at least a couple of times per season. So I would love it. I, I re- we really want you to be part of the show where every few, you know, every maybe eight episodes, we're like Glenn Winter's coming back to discuss the story. Or, uh, or honestly, if there's a couple like like you, you talk about Obscura, we didn't know it. It, it meant that if there's a if it comes up, yeah, my bad. in your head where there's a couple episodes that mean something to you, let's we'll for sure, that. yeah, yeah, for sure. Like yeah, like the last one of this year, that the the one that the tornado one that like Tempest. I remember that being crazy, and there's some other ones. And if once you guys get into the mid, once I started directing in the middle of the fifth season uh for sure too so like uh but i think it's if, great that you guys last, are doing if this we last that long if you last that yeah it's probably won't last that long. yeah probably not but um but i really do appreciate what that you guys are doing this and it is it's but i will just say this as a quick goodbye like it's been a you know when you're doing the show and you're in the middle of it i don't think you ever have any real realization of what it means to the rest of the world and as i've gone on out into the world after smallville and i work on other shows i'll have like a e-camera second assistant come up to me and is like you worked on smallville and like you know i'll offer them like a crew t-shirt and it just it changed i've, I've had people come up and say it changed their lives i know they don't say that about flash they don't say that about they don't <laughs> like, you know what i mean it was it's iconic funny. it was iconic and the emotion and the it, it really is um was such a privilege to be a part of it's all it's also been 21 years so those yeah. five-year-olds who watched it are now working for you i know that is true oh my god that's so depressing i mean we could just do a glenn winter episode. dude don't you love just that like a craig beeman episode he's fantastic we're gonna we're gonna have beeman on guys a couple times a year glenn a couple times alan miles a couple times hopefully each cast member on one per season uh it's it's fun it's it's inter- it just you learn a lot uh glenn taught me so much he was he was he was there with me when i directed and we had so much fun and anyway let's let's move on we gotta move on we've uh this is interesting things of note Another reference to Clark's Kent's origins. Chloe states that most men are from Mars, but Clark is from a whole other galaxy. Uh, yeah, a whole other galaxy she doesn't even know of or something. Yeah. Yeah. The design of the hero of Justin Gaines' comic at the torch, flaming crow's feet with a blue suit, yellow shield, red S, and cape is a clear allusion to Superman. Donna oh. Bullock, who plays Pamela Jenkins, is married to Sherman Howard, who played Lex Luthor in the 1980s Superboy TV series. Sergey Howd, who plays the priest, comes back in season two's Dichotic, where he plays a teacher. The book that Lex brings to Pamela in the hospital, the same book that both Pamela and Lionel were observing or reading previously, is titled Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. Um, overall, uh, you know, there was a lot of good things in this episode. There were. I mean, again, I was a little bit like, oh, telekinesis guy. Okay. But a lot of the stuff was really good. It was powerful. Well, I, I uh, one thing I did write here, I know we, we had a lot of time with Glenn there, but a couple of things is love and perceived betrayal was a big thing. What is love? Uh, what is and, love? And, and the perception of betrayal, um, a number of our cast, a number of our characters dealt with that in this episode. Um, and then redemption. Um, and the risking of emotions. You know, Chloe risks, Lex will risk. Uh, Clark and Lana seem not to risk, which is something I saw in this. And then yeah. going back to what I said in the previous episode where the similar, similarities between Lex and Chloe with their, their their moral compass, if you will, or at least the standards for themselves that they hold to other people, I thought came out in this. Here we go. Right, this, is, 
this is the, no, I agree. Right? I, well, yeah, they, they were all betray- they were all betrayed. Uh, <laughs> Chloe and Lex, and I liked what he said. Yeah, I thought that was poignant. Thanks, Tom. Hotline two one three five three eight two eight eight three. These are patron privileges. Patron privilege. Join patron patreon.com slash talkville. Please join and uh, and help support the podcast. Here's Mickey. Mickey, let's hear your question. By the way, Glenn direct Glenn directed Winchester's. Oh, hey guys, it's Mickey from Michigan. This one's for Fresh. So there was quite a bit of teenage drama between Clark, Chloe, and Justin. When Clark gets jealous of Justin. What I want to know is, being adult when you portray these characters, did you ever struggle to get back into the mindset of your younger selves, being so much more older than them? And did you ever ask to reshoot any scenes? Uh, I was. I think we're all insecure as actors and be like, are you sure you got it? Are you sure you got that take? Should we do it again? Can I just do one more? I mean, that's sort of the mentality of actors anyway. But uh, what, what do you what do you think, Tom? Yeah, I don't think I specifically asked to retake or reshoot a scene. I think it's maybe can I do it again? Like you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Getting in touch with our younger selves, I mean, I think we've all experienced jealousy. You know, the girl that you've been hesitant hesitant to engage who then gives somebody else attention and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? You know, yeah. that's, I, I hope everyone's experienced that. That's that's called life. Man, I was on, I remember I had- Michael, this, you're used to not getting girls, right? When you were younger? Well, and I, I mean, oh like yeah, I couldn't get nailed in a wood shop. Um, I remember, sorry if I'm inappropriate, but that's life. Sometimes you are. Um, I was in study hall and there's this girl, Laura Paris. That was her name, Laura Paris, P-A-R-U-S. And we talked every day in study hall and I was crushing hard and we became friends for a good year. And I was like, I just didn't have the guts to say anything to her. And we talk on the phone one day. Is talking. She talk, calls talk. me and we're talking and she goes, yeah, I just don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm even want to say this. I don't, I don't. I go, why? What? No, say it. She goes, I don't know. It's embarrassing. I don't know. And I go, dude, just, she goes, I don't know. I have a crush on this guy and I'm not sure he knows it. He should know it. But, and she went on and on and i've i'm like thought it was you this whole time oh my god i am like i'm not gonna say it i was gonna say i was aroused i was like excited and i was like oh my god oh my god and we kept talking and talking and talking and then she was like i could just say it just say it it's okay you could tell me anything and she said this other dude's name barnett mike barnett i'll never forget and I just was shut down. I thought for sure I had a chance with her. I told her that at a reunion when I saw her years later. Anyway, here we go. She's yeah. like, she's like, I'm single now. I know. No, she wasn't. She well, they kids. got married and divorced. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did it work out? <laughs> okay, here's Estevan, another beautiful patron. Hey, Michael. Hey, Tom. It's Estevan G from Texas wearing my Talkville hat and my Talkville shirt. My question is for episode 19, Crush, specifically for Michael. In this episode, we start learning a lot about Lex's past relationship with his mom and with his caretaker. What kind of preparation did you have to do for those emotional scenes with those characters? And like, how much did they tell you about Lex's past at this point, or was it still very unknown? Very unknown. I didn't know really anything about Lex's past and what happened to his mother. And I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I just kept thinking of my grandma that passed away right before that within a year. And I just thought about how much I loved her. I remember thinking and uh 
that got me into the scene. Usually it's called sense memory. It's like I learned when I was studying theater in college. And, and if you just take a moment from your life that affected you a lot, if you just zone in on that and the feelings you have towards the person you're talking to, well, it's whether it's hatred or you know love or whatever it is, it helps. It certainly helped me in scenes. So that definitely helped me and, I, and helped me get there. So thanks, Estefan. I appreciate you. And here we go. Another patron. This is Ray H. Ray. Hello, this is Ray in Japan. I have a question about the episode Crush. So do you think Clark genuinely liked Chloe as more than a friend? Or do you think that he's just reacting to the fact that he found out that Chloe likes him? Clark, what do you think? think? The latter. I think the latter. I think, I think, by the way, I don't think he knows either way. I think he's, he's juggling attention. Um, he wants her attention, whether he's a high school kid, he doesn't know what it is. We make a lot of mistakes in high school. Hopefully you do. And you learn from them. And I think this is one, he's not getting her attention. So he does what he can. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think that if Chloe was like, you know what, Clark, you're right. Let's do this. I don't think it would have lasted. I don't think it had what it needed. Um, like Michael said, I think there was a Clark Lana thing that just felt that it was there where the, I think there was just a friendship between Clark. But you know, you put Clark. your hand on her hand and that was kind of affectionate. You're like, what the hell's going to happen here? I don't know. Well, that's know. what you're supposed to. I feel like Clark you're watched the movie and that, that's what somebody did in a movie. So that's what he's going to do. You know what I mean? Like, oh, is this, this is what you're supposed to do? I don't know. Here's but. Brian. Hey guys, this oh, is uh, Brian C at Patreon from uh, Albuquerque. See another uh, By the Numbers Freak of the Week episode. And we get a huge dose of the Clark, Chloe, Lana Love Triangle that culminates with the funeral of Whitney's dad. My question is for Tom. Uh, they really had the water coming down, man, for that funeral montage. Did you get all that in one take or did you have to spend all day in a wetsuit? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't recall, but I will say that this went on throughout 10 years where the, the crew and the wardrobe and everybody really tried to protect you so that you weren't just freezing and miserable. Like sometimes we do wet, like scenes where you're wet and they'd give you like wetsuit shorts to wear underneath your costume or things that keep you warm. Um, and there's a makeup consideration because when the when the water hits the makeup, it runs or, or it doesn't. I would assume that that probably once the camera got dialed in, I imagine the rain rain tower started and we probably did it maybe one or two times because it's just it's too time consuming to do it more than that. Um, but I don't recall specifically. Hi, this is Eddie from New York City. I was just wondering if you guys knew why the principal Quan character was killed off in, in this episode. He was uh, seen in quite a few episodes up up to this point. Do you know if it was meant to be a short-term part or if he was um, killed off for storyline purposes, as they say, or if there was uh, something going on behind the scenes? I was just a little curious about that. Good question. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I really don't know. Maybe uh, Al will email me after he listens to this episode. The creator. I feel I feel like this is the kind of this is the kind of role where an actor gets he gets a scene or two in an episode and people like what he did and so they keep him in mind and they see opportunities for that character going forward i i really think it's a very clear representation of that i mean that in the best way i think he nailed it by the way john glover did the same thing yeah this is jeff from edmonton alberta and the funeral scene my god that is the beautiful scene i just wanted to say all of you acted the hell out of that scene i use that scene in one of my media studies classes i teach at the university here to illustrate how powerful tv is love the podcast keep doing what you're doing i remember i remember i i, I could be mistaken but i don't think i didn't want to do this scene because i go i don't know whitney why would i go to whitney's funeral and i talked them out of it i think they wanted lex there for some reason and i talked my way out of it i'm like this is ridiculous i'm going to a high school i don't care about whitney's dad and i think they let me go i almost remember i remember something like that 
or I talked them out of having me there. Why why would you be there other than to like hold Clark's hand? Exactly. For some maybe you're there for support, but yeah, I I don't know. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Okay, this is un, an unnamed patron. This is the last, and then we're almost done with this episode. We've got some fun little things to do, but uh... in the beginning of this episode, the doctor gets trapped in the elevator, and I would like to know if you guys have any stories of ever getting stuck in an elevator. No stories of stuck in an elevator, but it terrifies me. I think I would freak out and cry like a little infant. Tom? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get stuck in an elevator. No, Ryan. I would cry. I, would I, freak, I feel like nowadays, out. though, like, I, I feel like I feel like if I got stuck in an elevator, I don't know if I'd freak out right away. I think I'd be like, all right, somebody knows how to deal with this pretty quickly. Like, we have alarm buttons and stuff that, but if those didn't work, I'd be scared. Uh, this is the last one. Mole from uh, London. Whitney's dad, dad's funeral was incredibly moving. Key characters in that moment were dealing with their own feelings of sadness and longing. My question is, did you actually all really film in the rain? Uh, rain towers. They, so the, rain towers, sorry. What rain, they're not towers, that, sprinklers. It's a, it's usually a, some version of a square that's suspended above you with multiple rungs with holes in it. And then there's a, a water truck that sometimes is not heated. And there's a big difference between the two. And they pump it through and then it showers down like uh, fire sprinklers in a building. And that's what, and, it, and it's chunky rain, if that makes any sense. Chunky chubby rain, rain, thick rain. Which was a movie made chubby rain. Yeah, the Bowfinger. So that you can see it and it's designed that way. Because if it just spritzes, you don't see it. So in Bowfinger, yeah, it's chubby rain. And so, and you have to get used to it because you can feel it hitting you. That's uh, Rosenbaum rating. Here we go. As you know, you know the ratings by now if you're listening to this episode. So I'm not going to tell you what they are. You know, obviously, three roses is the best, three bombs is the worst. Heater is right down the middle. Uh, Tom, let's, or let's start with Ryan. Uh, I am actually going to give this one a dose. Two roses. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. Utah, give me two. Yeah. Two roses for Tom. Yeah. I've... I'm going to give it a rose and a half. All right. Rose and a half for me. Would. Wasn't right. quite two. Right. I wouldn't say this is great. Oh my gosh. But it was good. I'll give it was, it was good. I'll give Glenn Winter three roses for sure. Always. <laughs> uh all right, death and safe count. How many people got saved? How many died? Two people died. Principal Kwan and Whitney's dad. <sighs> One was saved. Chloe saved Clark. Wait, how did so Chloe save Clark? Cl uh, that's the other way around. Clark saved Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Through 19 episodes, 29 people have died. 34 have been saved. It's now time for Ryan's favorite scene. Uh, okay. Oh, I was just reminded. Uh, no, uh, no John Schneider in this episode. Just realized. Yeah, nope. there was no John Schneider. Where was he? Where was he? He was on an errand. Metropolis? I don't know. Three scenes stood out to me. Uh, first, scene number one, uh, where Justin and Chloe smooch and all the stuff is floating around them. The alien. The levitating. Okay. Uh, scene number two, uh, Justin and Clark showdown in the barn with the slow-mo and the fighting that was cool. Um, and then scene number three, the, uh, end with all the rain and the death. I'm going to go three. I'm going to go three, two. I think it's the rain. Damn it. Ryan. Yeah. It's the rain. It was the rain. I, I wanted I know. to, you know, I wanted to give like a scene to Adam Brody. Cause I just thought he was, I, cause I think this whole thing like hinges on like how good the villain is. And he was like Amy Adams tier to me. Yeah. I, th I think he him. was, he was really, really good and compelling and convincing. Um, yeah. but if, I he, if he's not good, the whole thing is a, is a, is a wash minus three bombs. Oh yeah. He sold like all of it. Yeah, um, and then the, the end, I, I teared up. You did. I did. Maybe it's because I think watching this with headphones on, uh, changes. Cause like I was able to hear like time after time, just 
everywhere <laughs> inside of my head. In my I think I was manipulated and it worked. Not right now. Though. No, you're not going to cry no, if I say that. Uh, I'm aroused though. Guys, make sure you go to the website, talkvillepodcast.com for awesome merch. We finally have merch. Go to patreon.com slash talkville, become a patron, help the podcast out. That's it for this episode. Stick around next week and get our perspective on episode 20, Obscura. We're nearing the end of the first season, folks. Lots of good stuff and a big guest star coming up. Let's take the discussion online. Let us know your thoughts on the episode over on our socials at Talkville Podcast or at Talkville Pod. And if you want to let us know your thoughts for other episodes, season one, leave a voicemail at 213-538-2883. Ryan, good to see you again. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thomas? Wish I could say the same. And last (laughs) but not least, everyone, always... Hold on. Hold on. To small small We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Guys, we never forget you. These are the shout-outs to our lovable patrons. What would we do without them, Tom? What would we do without them? Uh, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> That's for sure. I wouldn't do either podcast <laughs> if it wasn't for the patrons. You guys save the show. Patreon.com slash Talkville. You're what it's all about. Thank you so much for all the love. Become a patron today. Support the podcast and go to talkville.com for uh, merch and stuff. Right now, we're going to do the shout outs. Here we go. Tom, take it away. Nikki G, Leon P, Raj C, Janine R, Santiago M, Leas S, Little Lisa, Tom T, Sophie M, Betsy D, Liliana A. I always have trouble with those. Ab Hi, Abby? Abby. Abby, I think it's Abby. Abby P, Chris F, Kimberly E, Michael H. Ray H, Karen M, Danielle B, ninety nine more, Liani N, Lilani, Lilani uh, N, Lilani N, Catherine P, Brett G, Super Sam, always hold on the Smallville, Jeff E, Estevan G, DJ Kento, Estevan, I just uh, anyway, DJ Kento, Twitch. Garrett W, Kimberly L, Teresa, Justin S, Tom, and Tony V, Jason W, Osama A, Nancy D, Brian G, Sarah W, Artin K, Justin T, and Lucy O. Grape Jelly 817, Jeremy G, I want to thank Amanda R, Teddy 127, Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Michael's favorite, Grumpyitis, hmm. Jordan M, Hillary B, The Blur with a three, right? Greg G, Christy R, Pollyanna, Karen P, Derek G, Jor-El, my dad, Rachel, sorry, Richard S, Heather and Greg, Nikki P, Nico, Nico P. He's been a a, a, a patron for a long time, both podcasts. I'm sorry, Nico. Nico. I, I I get distracted by the next one. My Greek friend. So, Michael, why don't you take it off at Heather and Greg? I made Talkville say butts. Okay, that's the name. I made Talkville say butts. Brian H. in camp. Jason M. Georgina B. Eric K. Kevin E. Craig. Nanine W. Stephanie K. Darth Achilles. Richard R. I like R. that one. I like it too, Darth Achilles. Richard R. Finky. Kenny S. Sydney S. Tito G. Remix. Remix. I like that. Stephen F. Damn, who's that? Jeanette E. Deadvid. Allison H. General Zod. Amara and Ev. It's underscore kitty crack crake crack that's an irish term k-r-a-i-c connor m araceli's r araceli's r araceli's r big d big d andrew b nc and doug r couldn't do it without you Uh, very creative yes very creative and long some of them are actually long we'll see you next week we love you thank you